0: Thank you for tuning in to our third episode of Lunar Cat's Mental Health Check-In with Nina Lunetta. Recently, I was in a yoga class, and one of the new yoga instructors, what she always says before each class is, Everything I do is an invitation. And I want to reiterate that phrase when you tune into this podcast it's an invitation to remain open and maybe challenge beliefs that we have or question habits that we have and whatever it is. I think the theme here is it's an invitation to remain open. So thanks again for tuning in and supporting this project. We're so happy you're here. Thank you for tuning in to Lunar Cats. We're back with Nina Lunetta, and we're gonna dive into Gottman's Four Horsemen of Relationships. And don't worry if you feel alarmed by the name. We're gonna we're gonna fill you in on what it what it means. What's up, Nina?
1: Hi. So happy to be talking about this. Um, yes, the name is weird. Um it's a nod to the book of revelations story about the four horsemen of the apocalypse that include things like war and famine, which might indicate the end of the world. So the Gottmans are saying the Gottmans, John and Julie Gottman are married to each other and they are considered one of the relationship therapy experts in the field. Um, We'll also link their website, which is full of helpful resources. They have tons of free resources, tons of paid classes. They have all kinds of stuff. Um, And they've been researching and doing couples therapy for 40 to 50 years now. So they are regarded as some of the most knowledgeable about how relationships work and what helps them thrive and what helps them fail. And so they developed the four horsemen of relationships to mean if you or your partner or you and a friend or you and a family member use these four types of communication styles often, then that may indicate that your relationship is, the end of your relationship is looming or that it's not sustainable.
0: So what are, what are the four um, items that you're referencing?
1: So these are just, unhealthy communication tactics to avoid when we say the the horseman so these four communication tactics to avoid are criticism contempt defensiveness and stonewalling and we'll I'll explain a little bit what each of those are and what we can use instead of these four things. So, criticism, I think, is somewhat self-explanatory, but it might include things like placing or assigning blame on your partner, friend, or family member, saying things like, this is all your fault, you do this, you always do that, you never do this, Um, and not taking responsibility for any, you know, placing all the blame on the other person, not taking responsibility for your part in any of it. None of this is my fault, stuff like that. Um, using a lot of you statements or finger pointing saying you're so lazy or, you know, you're so incompetent or something like that. And once again, using always or never statements. So saying you are always late or you never show up on time or you always bring up the past. You never do A, B, or C. Um, Those are things we want to avoid under the category of criticism. Mm. Definitely guilty of that. (laughs) right right and and just as a um you know a word to our listeners we all do these four things sometimes right like especially if we're upset or dysregulated or stressed um it might increase our risk of falling into these habits right so these aren't things that some people do and some people don't these are things that we all do just with more frequency or less frequency than than average. So, um, things that we can use to replace criticism with are using I feel statements. So, saying something along the lines of "I feel hurt when you do this." in the future, can you do this instead? Right. That sounds a lot different. Like you always do this and it, and that sucks or something like that. Um, but you're saying you're kind of saying the same thing, but in a different way. Um, another thing you can do is take responsibility and or apologizing for anything that you may have contributed to a situation I recognize that what I did or said made you feel blank and I'm sorry about that. Um, and you want to try to use a team versus an enemy mentality. Let's figure this out together. I'm mad at you right now, but I still love you and want to make this work.
0: I love how simply you, um, break this down because it's, it's really, uh, I think it's really valuable to hear.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And, um, if any of our listeners want to be sent a cheat sheet of these things that I developed, um, using the Gottman four horsemen, um, you can email me and. I will send it to you. Um so the next one is contempt. Um contempt is just, you know, a different word for pretty much being mean or unnecessarily rude or cruel. So um <laughs> saying something like you're just like your mother or you're just like your father or Anything that you say with the intention to hurt the other person. You'll never make it as a surgeon, <laughs> something like that. Um, name calling or maybe cursing of any kind. So, like, you're such a fucking asshole, blah, blah, blah. Um, low blows that can be bringing up a really sensitive or sore topic. That's Especially if it's unrelated to the situation at hand. Now I see why your ex hates you. Or, um, you know, like, this is why, you know, your sister always says you're selfish. Or something random like that. Um, or comparison. So comparing people or situations. So saying something like, Well, Susie's husband always consults her about plans. You know, Um, well, Susie's husband isn't here and he's also not having this argument with us. so. (laughs) Um, So, luckily, we can, you know, try to remedy contempt or being mean by using kind words, using a soft or gentle startup saying hey do you mind or do you have time or energy to discuss what happened the other night or do you think we could talk about our fight on Tuesday this weekend um using empathy I know you've been really stressed with work lately but what you said really hurt my feelings something like that um And clarifying or correcting miscommunications. So, if we're not sure what the other person is saying or what they mean by something, we want to first ask them, Do you mean this? Or even describing what we think they're saying, and then asking if that's accurate to what they're trying to say. So, we could even say something like, The story I was telling myself about why you said this was blank is this accurate or was that your intention and that way it's also giving our partner family member or friend an idea of what we were thinking as well and asking if that is mirrored in what they had intended to communicate
0: it also doesn't like immediately
1: place the blame on the other person. Right. It takes out that assumption piece of, oh, he just said that to piss me off, right? <laughs> or something like that. Mm.
0: Exactly. So we, we've gone over criticism and contempt. So, yeah.
1: yes. So the next one is defensiveness um once again somewhat uh, self-explanatory however, I think defensiveness is actually one of our most natural behaviors especially if we feel attacked even verbally so I think this one might be the most common even for people who have some of the most healthy communication patterns um, so taking... Everything someone says as a personal attack or affront, um, refusing to take responsibility for your actions, arguing for the sake of arguing, or like the like arguing for the sake of arguing the details of a situation, or for being right, and not to find a solution, and that can lead to circular or unrelated. Or tangential arguments that have nothing to do with solutions or compromises. So maybe you get off on a tangent about, well, you did this same thing last summer or something. Okay, maybe they did, but is that actually gonna help us get to a solution or a compromise? Probably not. It's probably just gonna <laughs> piss the person off even more. Um, and, and, The reason why defensiveness is so natural is because it is very natural to want to protect our ego and to be right. Uh, Be right, therefore protecting our ego, right? Um, And compromise and finding solutions or common ground requires us to, at least in part, set our ego aside a lot of the time. Same thing with taking responsibility for our actions. So, um, we can try to listen to understand and to truly understand where the other person is coming from and not to defend ourselves or our actions. That is the first really good step. Um, we can take responsibility for whatever part we had in the situation, even if it feels like a smaller part than the other person. Um, and I think most importantly, staying solution-focused. Okay, we know what the problem is. How do we solve this problem together? How do we compromise? How do we find common ground? What do we both want? Is there a way that we can both get what we want? A lot of times there actually is. And this staying solution-focused also can really cut down on the amount of time we spend in these arguments it helps prevent us from going on random tangents or arguing details and we're getting right to the nitty-gritty and we're kind of leaving behind this urge to prove ourselves right or more right than the other person um and once again finding common ground we both want blank how can we work towards this together?
0: Can you elaborate a little bit more about when people tend to consider everything as a personal
1: attack? Yeah. um, I think, so this is exactly what we are talking about when we say defensiveness, right? Um, This is actually something that I think can be once again very natural for us because anything our brain perceives as an attack, it wants to defend, it wants to fight back, or flee, or run away. Right? It's kind of like fight, flight, or freeze. So, if we feel attacked, even verbally, then we automatically either want to fight, flight, or free, freeze. Sorry fight, run away or freeze. Um, and a lot of times verbally we, we tend to fight back. That's where the defensiveness comes in. So, um, you know, trying to stay present and be like, okay, this, the thing this person just said, pissed me off, but they are also, you know, a person I love very much who may not be trying to piss me off. Right. It also is relatively hurtful for us to hear true but negative things about ourselves that we might need to work on. And so it's common for us to take those as personal attacks, right? Especially if we consider ourselves, you know, very kind or conscientious and someone is bringing something up to us, a situation where we were not kind or conscientious, we might want to point to all the other times we were kind or conscientious instead of saying, oof, you know what? I did make a mistake there. That is not how I wanted to show up for you. That is not how I wanted to try to support you. Um, That is not how I wanted to try to communicate with you, and I'm sorry. I can see how that was hurtful. We're not saying, you're right, I'm a piece of shit. Like we're, that's, that's not what we're doing. Um, we're not saying, you know, I'm a terrible person. That's a, that's a huge overgeneralization. This person is bringing up one situation in which we hurt their feelings. We should try to acknowledge that. Um, and, and maybe not even explain so much, but rather say, you know what, you're right. That doesn't go along with who I try to be. That doesn't actually go along with what I intended. So I'm sorry about that. Um, Let's figure out what what we both can do next time to try and avoid repeating that situation, repeating that hurtful conversation again. And then the last one is stonewalling. And this one, I think, has the funniest name. Um, but is actually something we're very familiar with, which is the silent treatment pretty much, um, especially the silent treatment without any communication or even feigned abandonment, right? It can look like giving your partner, your friend, or your family member, the silent treatment all of a sudden also look like literally being like, I'm out of here and like leaving the house and not telling them when you're coming back. Um, it can say, it can be saying stuff like, I, this is, I'm over or I'm done. Like we're breaking up. Like, like, fuck you. I don't want, you know, we're, we're done. You know, I think that comes up a lot in arguments, right. Um, Mm -hmm. is one or both partners saying, I'm done. Like this is this is um you know, break up. Like I want to break up. But really they like I want to say 9 times out of 10 people don't mean that in an argument. So we shouldn't say something that serious when we don't actually mean it. Um but we d- we do tend to say things we don't mean when we're um Emotionally flooded when we're feeling dysregulated or stressed or angry or upset or even sad or hurt A lot of times when we're hurt That's when anger comes out If you think of a wounded animal right if you uh, you know For lack of a better example if you stab an animal the animal is gonna probably bite you or something You know what I mean? Um, So often when we feel hurt, that's when we're going to lash out the most. We may clock it as anger, right? Because that's how our body and mind is telling us to defend ourselves. But what we're actually feeling is probably closer to hurt. Um, So if someone, you know, by that analogy, hurts our feelings, sometimes we want to slash back. Mm. So, um, so we want to avoid using the silent treatment, running away, abandoning people or feigning abandonment, pretending like you're going to break up with them, um, abruptly halting communication without warning or communication of when it's going to continue. Um, you know, so now it is okay to take Breaks, And I highly encourage everyone to take breaks when they're emotionally flooded, when they're upset, when they're hurt, when they're experiencing more than a 5 out of 10 of any emotion. Because the higher the number goes, the lower our ability to respond logically is going to be. Um, And we're just going to, when we only are responding with emotion, that's when daggers come out. That's when word daggers come out. That's sometimes even when physical um, daggers come out. And we don't want to do that. Not only is that going to bring us further away from solution and resolution and probably um, maybe even harm chance of repair, but we are not even able to express what emotions we're feeling when we're that dysregulated. So, you know, learning what your signs are of when you're upset and saying, "Okay, I'm really upset. We need to take a break right now." Um saying that is a way to avoid stonewalling, right? Communicating a little bit or how much however much you can and saying I'm escalated. I'm stressed. I need to take a break or so I don't say something. I don't mean I've used those exact words before because I have said things. I don't mean when I'm upset or hurt, especially. Um, so we can replace stonewalling with communicating when you need a break due to emotional shutdown, emotional overload, feeling overwhelmed feeling angry, sad, upset, hurt or feeling like your brain is running 10 miles a minute or 100 miles a minute, you know. Um it, feeling anxious, feeling confused. We don't want to have a convers up. Uh, we're not going to have a productive conversation in those states. Um we can also reassure our partner that we're not abandoning abandoning them or this conversation. We're going to return to it, but we can't continue right now. Um, And then eventually scheduling a time to revisit the topic at hand when both parties are hopefully calm and can dedicate their undivided attention to it.
0: So wrapping it back around to Gottman's theory they They believe that if of these four, the criticism, contempt, uh defensiveness, and stonewalling if if in a relationship, whether that's romantic or platonic, if these things constantly show up if the if both people aren't willing to work on it, then that relationship is like looming its end, essentially.
1: Yes. So John Gottman actually at some point came out and said, I can tell within like an 85 to 90% accuracy rate in the first, I don't know, three to five sessions with a couple, if they're going to make it or not. And that's, and he was using these four things. And if they showed willingness to work on those. So, so don't worry if these four things are present in a relationship that you have, because they can be present for all of us sometimes. But if they're very regularly present in a relationship that you have, and then you and your, the other person need to be willing to work on that, or it's going to be really, really hard for you to successfully and positively maintain that relationship.
0: Do you think that this can only be addressed in therapy?
1: Um, no, I think, you know, while I, I think I, you know, of course I love therapy. I'm a therapist and I think therapy can benefit everyone, and that might be a great place to work on it. I don't think it's the only place that you can work on it. So I think you can work on this um, yourself. And once again, if you'd like the cheat sheet that I have as like a reminder, uh, some of my patients have even like put it on their fridge or stuff like that. And just as a reminder, I think, you know, we all could use these reminders sometimes. Um, And I've had families use them, especially with teenagers as, okay, we're having a family discussion and we're going to have this sheet on the table, uh, to remind us what we're trying to avoid and what we're actually trying to do here, which is find solutions and, and compromises and things like that. Um, so I think this can be done, um, on your own with your partner, um, with any other sort of support, either group or something that you use in place of therapy. Some people have really positive relationships with pastors or rabbis or, um, you know, other religious people in their lives who have been mentors to them. Some people have great relationships with, you know, a, a mentor in the community somewhere, like a basketball coach. Some people have um, really positive uh, connections to, like, someone in their yoga class or, like, a yoga instructor, you know. So I don't think um, therapy is is the only way. And uh, just like, you know, I think there's some – there can be benefits and we can talk about these things with almost anybody if they're, if they're willing. Right. So I don't think therapy is the only way, but I do think it's a great setting that can really, really help a lot of the time.
0: Uh, If, if someone was in a relationship with someone that wasn't willing to maybe work on these things, how would you encourage that person to move forward, you know, without telling them, you know, end this relationship or something?
1: Yeah. I mean, number one, if, if someone, you know, a lot of people are hesitant to embark on a self-improvement journey at first. Right. So, so usually I, for a little bit, as long as, you know, their partner isn't like seriously abusive or, um, you know, essentially like ruining their life. Um, I, I tell people, you know, when, when we're looking for change, both from ourselves and from others, I always tell people to give it a lot of time. And sometimes I even tell people, um, who come, you know, couples who come to see me. Okay. Like this, you know, you guys have taken a really great and brave step in the right direction here by joining therapy. But like, this is going to be a process. Like this is going to be, you know, we're not going to see immediate results. Like that's nearly impossible to pull off. Um, and I would say with therapy or with anything else, the more work you put into it on the day to day, the faster you're going to see results. Um, so I usually tell people give it time, but also kind of like do the work on your own and see what happens. If they if the other person is still like you know, f that self improvement stuff, I'm not doing it. You know you're you're on your own essentially. Well. I would say then that means you're you literally are on your own and you know they're kind of making the decision to halt the relationship in that way because if couples can't feel good about communicating with each other I think it's really hard for relationships to survive.
0: Can you tell us about the time like the period in your career where you actually developed this cheat sheet? I, th- I believe you had a different job at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I don't think I even developed this technically for couples, although it's, I think it can be used for any relationship. Um, I actually developed it for a teen group therapy I was running in a, in an inpatient facility. Um, to help the teens have some tools to communicate better with their parents, actually. Um, and some of the examples on there are, are um, couples, you know, couples based, but some of them are are not. And that was actually what gave me the idea to make this cheat sheet is I pretty much was just writing all of this down on a whiteboard for my for my teen group and even the teens were very receptive to this you know which and and said that they really liked this group which coming from teenagers in a men, like in a mental health hospital that's about the highest praise you can get so <laughs> Um, so I was like, okay, like people like this, people want to know more about this. And now I've been using it with all of my outpatient clients and everyone I've given the cheat sheet to, um, has said it really helped. So yeah, I like the idea of,
0: um, using it as, you know, this kind of median in a discussion if, you know, having it on the table as a reference. I think that's a really great idea for someone that's maybe trying to navigate a difficult conversation with a loved one.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing that I, uh, that I always recommend for anyone who's trying to have either a conversation that has failed in the past or turned into a, a screaming match or turned into a vicious argument in the past or is emotionally sensitive or important or complex. I always, always, always recommend, uh, a certain template for how to go about having those. And that is to first. Plan that discussion for a good time for both of you. When both of you think, okay, I'm not going to be stressed with work. I'm not going to be thinking about other things. I'm not going to be too tired to talk about this. I'm not going to, you know, feel rushed to talk about it. We're going to have plenty of time to just sit down and hopefully talk calmly together and give this topic our undivided attention maybe even put our phones away, you know, stuff like that. So a lot of times I recommend, you know, for working people, which is, I'm, um, you know, most people, I recommend saying like, if something comes up and then it turns into a fight, saying something like, okay, okay, this is starting to turn into a fight, probably in part because we both just got home from work, we're a little stressed, let's try to save this evening Let's reschedule this conversation for, you know, Saturday afternoon when we're, we'll are we we'll have had our coffee. We won't have had work. You know, we're, we can just sit down outside together. It can be comfortable. It can be calm. And we can both think about it until then and what's most important for us to say. And then hopefully have a more productive conversation. Um... And, and then carrying that out because a lot of times it's not necessarily the topic at hand, it's the timing, (laughs) right? How many times have I had a couple say to me or, um, you know, one partner of a couple says, yeah, well, that's because she brings it up right when I'm about to fall asleep at night. Or, you know, um, yeah, that's because so-and-so brought it up right when I got home from a stressful day at work, right? Mm. Um, And then they have this conversation in a calm, relaxed setting and space where that's the plan, and they can give it their undivided attention, and they're not stressed, and they're not rushed, and voila, like, solution found, you know, no yelling. because. You know, we're eliminating all those extraneous factors and trying to give ourselves the best shot.
0: And I think it's important to point out that this doesn't mean that all of our communication is going to be perfect, but having a deeper self-awareness can allow us to... Like you said, take that pause when we need to, and whether that's actual like physical space and time or if it's just to take a deep breath or do a breathing exercise that doing that is always worth it.
1: Yes, one hundred percent we're even if we you know have this sheet in front of us every conversation we ever have, we're still gonna mess up we're still gonna use we're still gonna use the four horsemen occasionally like none of us are ever going to be perfect communicators. So that's not the goal. The goal is to just decrease the amount we're using the sort of toxic four horsemen ways of communicating and increase, um, you know, staying solution focused and using the antidotes, so to speak, or the healthier ways of communicating that's that's all we're really trying to do. If we can do that, then we can improve you know any relationship through communication.
0: Another cliche, but communication is key.
1: Right, right. And yeah, just because itself, like it, it really, you know. Yeah. Communication is definitely key and You know, it might be cliche, but, you know, cliches are generally at least partially true.
0: (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to our third episode of our mental health check-in with Nina Lunetta. If you're still feeling lost on Gottman's Four Horsemen of Relationships, please reach out to our podcast email for a free cheat sheet that Nina created. This is essentially the outline for what we just covered in the podcast, and if you want to revisit this information or use it as a reference, maybe when you're tackling a more difficult conversation, this paper's breakdown is so helpful. I myself have even been referring to it and have shared it with a couple of friends, so please reach out if you know me personally just shoot me a message if you know Nina just shoot her a message but either way we would love to share this with you so the podcast email is lunarcats with a z dot .safe dot .space at @gmail.com again that's lunarcats with a z l u n a r c a t z .safe space at gmail.com. another shout out to my cousin Jaden for making this podcast a finished product I appreciate you so much and a shout out to Michaela for always creating the best album artwork thanks for leaning in stay cool